I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Indie Football Podcast. I'm your host, Vidushan Hantaraja, and I'm joined today by Chief Football Writer of the Independent, Miguel Delaney, and Senior Football Correspondent, Melissa Reddy. There's only one subject we can talk about on this week's show, and that's Diego Maradona, who sadly passed away on Wednesday morning in his native Argentina. One of the great players in the history of the game, Maradona won the World Cup with Argentina in 1986, as well as, even more impressively in many ways, two Scudettos with Napoli in the 80s and early 90s. Miguel, we'll start with you, because you wrote the piece on Maradona in the wake of the news. Do you want to walk through people, I suppose, you know, the thoughts that were going through your head when, you know, not only did you hear the news, but knew that you had to put something together um, to pay tribute to um, to such a legend of the game? Well, this is it. I mean, I suppose as I, as I wrote in the piece and what's almost the immediate thought is, you know, the description, the greatest player of all time. Obviously, there's a wider about that, uh, debate about that and it's kind of so subjective and it's almost about how, how much it makes you feel and what it makes you feel. But I think that's actually what Maradona is really about which is how he made you feel when you watched him, which was kind of just, I mean, as someone who grew up in the early, or sorry, the late 80s, early 90s, so I was six years old for Italia 90 and about to turn seven. I mean, what and what I can remember about Maradona for those few years, basically he just seemed the most exotic, fantastical football figure possible. And I suppose, I mean, it's appropriate, the, the comparison now is Messi, and but in the same way that Messi is now, if you were like, if anyone described like the iconic footballer, or you know, you know, like say the instant comparison, you're talking, oh, you're not Maradona. I mean, it, it, it would always be him. It, 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 he, he was, he was just the touchstone for football, and just uh, a figure beyond anything else. And I think w- one thing that's very clear as well from the worldwide response, but of course, particularly the response in Argentina and uh, Naples, he had. An emotional and social impact, I think, beyond any sportsman other than probably Muhammad Ali. With regard to Maradona, what, the one thing that's really noticeable is how he's revered by not just the people he played with, but the people he played against as well. Um, and we're talking about football. footballers here. You know, obviously he was adored by um, fans across the world, as you've alluded to there. But what made him different as a player in that particular era? Well, I mean, I suppose the, the one thing that stands out... And it's something that's come up a lot in the last few years with kind of the legacy of Messi and all that about how he's never won a World Cup, but also probably hasn't kind of dominated a World Cup. And I don't think that's possible in the same way as it was in Maradona's era. But even beyond that, I think if you go through the history of the tournament itself, no one has so singularly defined and dominated a competition like he did in 1986. And I think that, I mean, that probably more than anything, because also what the World Cup meant then is the great show. There wasn't as much live football all the rest of it, but, but, but that is what will really stand to his worldwide, le- worldwide legacy. Even though there's obviously greater arguments about or debates about whether um, the titles with Napoli were more were more meaningful or difficult to pull off or greater achievements. But but yeah, I, I think that's what will stand out as his, his magnum opus, if you like, 
it was uh, the 1986 World Cup. You touched on it there, those um, those two league titles with Napoli. Um, what, it, what what was it about those two league wins that was so impressive, not just for um, Maradona to pull off, but also to the city of Naples, where you know you could see from the um, photos and videos that were circling on social media that they seem to be feeling the effects of his passing more than most most other places, especially in Argentina. Well, I suppose, first of all, it's the very idea of the greatest player in the world going to what at that point was an uh, unfashionable provincial club with no league titles in their history. Uh, that alone is remarkable. And it's something you just wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen today. Uh, obviously, there were kind of, there were other factors involved at the time, which was Maradona had a lot of issues in his private life uh, when he was at Barcelona. Uh, his cocaine addiction had probably started from, from then. And a lot of big clubs were actually wary about him. Then, of course, there's there's all the questions about um, the, the the money around Napoli um, at that time and the influence of the Camorra. Uh, like in, in in his first question, uh, when he well, sorry, in one of the one of the questions for his first um, press conference, they were he was directly asked about the influence and the Napoli president had to step in. I think that 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 is in the uh, as if Capadia documentary, but. But yeah, it just um, like it, 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 it was just remarkable to end up there, and, and of course, I mean the chaos of that in in a weird way fitted almost the chaos of Maradona's life, and also the kind of emotional energy around Naples also suited him as well. And for a time, even though because of that chaos, it ended up being the ruination of his career really by the early nineties. It also kind of initially elevated his career and made it as storied and raw and evocative as it was and, and, and as emotional as it was. And that's what, that's what stands out. I mean, it, it was something I was actually thinking about yesterday. When, when you think of Messi or Ronaldo, I mean, they're very kind of, in, in so many senses, they're very hermetically sealed and it's all very clinical. And I, like, I, not, I, don't, I don't want to say soulless, but because, because it isn't. But compared to Maradona, there's just not the same theatricality about it all. Uh, and and, I, and when, he, when he associated with Maradona as much as anything, from the way he touched the ball, controlled it, to the way he celebrated, to everything that surrounded him, it was just, just visceral emotion. That is something kind of lacking in 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 the football world today. Yeah, Melissa, to to bring you in here, just uh, that documentary that Miguel mentions there, as if Capadia's Diego Maradona, that is probably the you know to those who weren't particularly sure about the light and shade in, in Maradona's life and throughout his career. That lays it all out there that there were two sides, a player and a man who didn't necessarily have control of one side, but while controlling everything he did on the pitch. Um, for those of you who haven't seen, I, I do recommend seeking it out. But Mel, was he, you know, was he the ultimate floor genius in that regard? I think he was, and that documentary captures it so perfectly because here's a man who, like Miguel said, went to a place that was derided you know there used to be chance of wash yourselves and this unfancied unfashionable place that everyone used to look down on suddenly had the best player in the world elevating them to standards they had never imagined they could ever reach Uh, you know there's that great part of the documentary where there's a cemetery and on the wall is scrolled you don't know what you've missed and then later down the line somebody's scrolled back 
how do you know we've missed it? Like even that those in the afterlife have been impacted by Maradona. He had such an influence on areas and people. And yet he was so cruel to himself and those around him. And uh, cruel in a sense of he'll admit himself that he could have been a much better player if he didn't give in to all these vices. Yet at the same time, this man has lived the most extraordinary life that we've all watched, like both the public and the private versions of him, like you said, uh, the light and shade. And it's weird when you look at the global tributes, just how he resonated in different parts of the world. And I suspect mostly it's because he came from absolutely nothing to become everything in in Argentina and to uh, in Naples and to a lot of people that watched football and yesterday actually when when the news had initially broke I was I was getting players who are too young to have ever seen Maradona I'm too young to have seen him live as well it's just all the archive footage and you know everything you read and learn about him but asking if it was true they seemed so affected by it and that's because they're still watching clips by him and that's the diet they grew up on and their heroes immediate heroes people they did watch were also influenced by him and it was weird getting the news because he you kind of knew it will come one day especially given the life he's led given the fact that he did um, have that blood clot. And it still hits you so heavy and and takes you by surprise. Yeah, I I think the age one is an important one because, um, you know, like you, I, you know, I I never watched him play, but I I came into football very much knowing that there were two players considered the best of all time, Pele and uh, Maradona. And then there was a separate discussion to have with them too. Um, Migs, I don't want to kind of, we'll save the debate of, uh, or say, certainly save the chat around the best of all time for the second half, at least. So we've got some time to mull it over, but is that perhaps, or, or rather one strand of Maradona's legacy that he has permeated through the age groups? I mean, you only need to see the number of young players paying tribute to him on social media last night, for example, <laughs> who, you know, some of whom have, have born you know well after he'd retired who would have only known him as this kind of caricature figure of an ex-player um I suppose is that the measure of of someone who just did great things that will no doubt stand the test of time oh yeah he's he's football's version of the uh the Che Guevara image Uh, and I don't mean that encouragingly I mean that as in terms of his uh his cultural resonance in football uh and that just kind of um Maradona is shorthand for for cool, for talent, for I suppose what the game is really about, uh, and you know, a, a, you know, it's a media dis- display of appreciation of it, um, and like you know, you know, everyone's from everyone's familiar with the most famous images or the most famous clips, the most famous goals, um, and 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 of course, his private life. I mean. I think this is one of the things that was interesting yesterday as well. You know, pe- people talk about the kind of light and darkness and all that, but let's be let's be realistic here. The the other side of his life and the complications 
elevated his story and thereby elevated his legacy. That they they were part they were they were part of it, and, and it was kind of it was what made him a more romantic and interesting figure than players who maybe had as much talent or close to as much talent. I mean, like I, again, it was something I was thinking yesterday. Like if you if you if you were to write, <laughs> like so, so you just couldn't have a Capadia documentary or a Jimmy Burns biography of Messi or Ronaldo the way you could about about Maradona. He's one of the most interesting sporting figures ever. Yeah, yeah, I entirely agree with that. Um, evidently, Peter Shilton um, might not necessarily agree with that point of view. He's still not over the hand of God from the 1986 World Cup. Uh, and it seems that not a lot of um, the English papers were either, given that that seemed to be the main image, which I can kind of understand, actually, because you kind of, when you talk about any kind of any kind of player, certainly any kind of player from overseas, despite the fact that he was a legend in his own right, there is a sense of what he meant to us. And, and from an English point of view, that is one of the things that springs to mind. Um, I suppose you've already mentioned this display throughout the 1986 World Cup. But yeah, Mix, could you talk about Diego Maradona and how he was regarded, certainly in England, after that um, 1986 quarterfinal? There's there's almost kind of a temptation to uh, place the 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 English reaction to it as some sort of Anglocentrism and but I don't think that's really true because I mean it, to, I suppose to give an insight just to just how meaningful that game was there's a there's a one of, one of the great Argentine football books is called the match El Partido and it's solely on that game. On on eighty six quarterfinals, so this this goes beyond England's uh, response to it, the, the meaning of that game. I mean, because really, you couldn't have have you, you you couldn't have a match that summed up all the various strands and complications and and glories of Maradona's career as that one. I mean, you know, there's obviously the the immediate and simple dichotomy of the hand the God goal against the, uh, the, the 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 perhaps the greatest goal of all time four minutes later. But then, of course, all it was wrapped up to that in kind of the history of the Falklands and how much kind of Maradona fed off that and fed into it, how much he played it up, the emotion of the game, the, 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 way, the, way, uh, the, the way he seized it. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's, there's a really global significance to what, and a, and a deeper historical significance to what feels a game that has formed such a huge part of the English football psyche. And actually, I mean, I have to say, if I was choosing the front pages, the image I would have gone with is um, of Maradona lifting the trophy. I mean, there's some, there's some great pictures of him when he when he's kind of he's on someone's shoulders and just kind of I suppose you know it really is as he as Maradona put it himself, him touching the sky. Uh, but in some way, I mean, you, you can you can some way understand the tabloids going for the hand of God, given that it, I mean it is it's a cultural moment, and let's not forget. It's one Maradona was thoroughly proud of himself. Well, the um, our Northern football correspondent, Mark Critchley, has written today that perhaps it's time that English football forgave him for, not not, not really for the game, but just for that, that handball incident. I, I'm kind of of a mind to think that, you know, most of the country, or certainly most English men and women, have forgiven him, or rather just have no qualm with what happened there. But I think it would be fair to say that Maradona was also, in some ways, celebrated for that particular act. Certainly at home in Argentina, because there was an element of just do what you need to do to win. 
it was also the matter of doing what needed to be done against England. I think that was celebrated a lot in, in Argentina as well. I think it's it's obviously normal if you played in that game and if you do still feel a certain way about it, it's, it's human nature. But I think the the part of it that I don't like is this amplification of the fact that English football and English footballers and England in general is so noble and that there is no cheating and the cheating is always from the foreigners and uh, yes, Diego's a genius, but that time he cheated when in actual fact, if anyone does, you know, if somebody dives to win a penalty that and then converts it to win the World Cup or to put you on the path to winning the World Cup, if that's an English player, they're celebrated in England because they've done what they needed to do to get their country over the line. And I remember similarly Luis Suarez in the 2010 World Cup with Uruguay with that handball on the line, the way he was mobbed by the Uruguayan journalists and stuff in tears, kissing him and hugging him and like, Climbing over the the mix the boards in the mix zone just to like touch him and to lift him up and stuff, because he did for them what needed to be done, and I think that's the part of it that that I just it, it, it annoys me really because it's not true it's it's a complete fallacy that there has been no cheating in English football and that everything is so noble. And we only have to look at how the 1966 World Cup was perceived by the other nations participating it and the journalists from those countries who uh, attended it and reported on it and the players involved as well. Yeah, there was a great clip that's been doing the rounds of uh, Maradona being asked, actually, if you you could understand uh, why teams would feel aggrieved at a handball going against them. And he he referenced that the... uh, quote-unquote, go score from the 1966 World Cup final that England won. Um, This is probably a good time to take a break. Stick with us and we'll see you in a few moments. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast, where we're discussing Diego Maradona, who sadly passed away on Wednesday, aged 60. It's impossible to talk about Maradona without then having to, well, I suppose, justify his place at the top of the tree in uh, 
football's history, mainly because he is in competition with one other man in Pele. Miguel, where I'm, I'm bringing you into the debate now. Where do you fall on this? Because invariably it's something that's going to run and run. It's something that ran and ran even after he finished his career and could argue that it's been brought back up now with his passing. Um, are you a Pele or a Maradona fan? Yeah, well, I suppose I I'm not a Maradona fan, but, you know. I mean, I would always been Maradona, uh, but then there's much more footage of Maradona. And I have to say about Pele, there's sometimes... Uh, like I think we, Jonathan Wilson said this as well, but I, think I, I kind of find myself echoing him that I wouldn't say I was a Pele skeptic, but there's almost a sense like you think, well, football was much more, it was a much more primitive game in the 50s and 60s. And that is true. I mean, like really organized defending didn't become a thing until the mid 60s when suddenly goal averages plummeted. Um, so there's a sense of thing that anything Pele did must must have been a bit kind of overstated, overrated. But then you've actually watched some clips, particularly like when he was really, I mean, I mean he's most famous for 1970 because it was in Technicolor. But I mean, he was more of an athlete, obviously, in the early 60s. And you watch him say like in the Intercontinental Cup against Benfica, and he was absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, just the pace of what he was doing and the technique, you you like, it, it, it's not like he had the benefit of today's training, but you you, you would think he had or today's coaching. Um, I mean, so it it is one of those things, and it's still like comparing Messi now. This it's never going to be a debate that's settled. It ultimately comes down to that subjective feeling. Um, and Pele has probably suffered because he's ultimately seen a bit like Naffer than a Maradona, <laughs> probably a bit more of a corporate shill. And it's not to say, I mean, I mean, what, what kind of what kind of sums that up actually? You know, even how they saw themselves. I, I was at the 2014 World Cup. And there was these two ads on television. Uh, and one of them was Pele selling something. I can't even remember what it was. But but the whole insurance and shit like that. But uh, but the, the the whole concept of the ad was Pele sitting on a throne. And like the ad was reverential to him. Uh, where like he, he was a king. And the ad for Maradona, the one the, the ad that Maradona was him, it was his face suddenly <laughs> coming out of the couch, like as if he was part of the couch interrupting someone and like kind of like taking the piss out of himself uh, and, and, and that probably feeds like it's just it, that, that's a little thing but it kind of feeds into bigger differences between how the two men are perceived and thereby how the two players are perceived Mel can you see elements of his game that players or modern players have adopted or are just part of modern football now because you know when you watch through some of the clips that were that have come through from him or rather come through over the last, you know, 24 hours. One of the, one of the clear standouts was that he was, he seemed to be playing a different game entirely. He was operating on a level far beyond anyone around him. Um, And obviously there was, there there were different strands to that, but do you see kind of a lot of, I suppose, suppose I'm not even talking particularly about Messi anymore, just more generally. He seemed like the kind of player that players wanted to mimic. Definitely, I think traits of his game, the the focus on the technical ability, the low, you know, center of gravity, the real understanding of the ball and manipulating it in terms of touch, um, in terms of how to master it at your feet. But also the type of goals he scored. You can see a lot of players trying and and we've seen clips. There's some really great ones about players who 
you know, we've grown up watching that we think are so talented and gifted and they're all oozing over just how great Maradona was and how difficult it was for them to try and copy any of the things he did. But I th- the other side of his game, that relentlessness, the street smarts, I think we're we're seeing more and more of that, especially from forwards in terms of not just, you don't just want to get goals, you want to influence the game in other ways, you want to work off the ball. And it's it's more, uh, I think we see it in South American players more often than not, but it's become a trait in, in Europe as well. I see it when I watch the Bundesliga quite often. We see it in the Premier League. You see it from Liverpool's front three. Um, and... To go back to to that debate for me, there there is no debate between the two, but that is like Miguel said, very subjective and biased, and that is also just based on like Miguel said, the fact that Pele was never seen as cool. Really, Maradona was rebellious, and I think you know the fact that he was so flawed that he was so human, even though he was otherworldly, is what elevates him for me anyway I could relate so much to him I love the fact that he was just putting the middle finger up to everyone that said people that came from where he came from couldn't amount to anything or that people constantly tried to take what he had away from him and yet in spite of that he still thrived just actually, when you yeah. mentioned there, um, sorry, Bish, to, when you, one thing that immediately struck me when you mentioned um, players trying to mimic him, I, I, and I think this sums up kind of how what a huge part of football culture, like not just the, uh, the, the pinnacle of the game, but just general football culture, Maradona was. I remember in like when as a, as a schoolboy player, for hours we used to try and uh, perfect the uh, the Maradona seven, which was basically yes. left left yeah. foot, right foot, left knee, right knee, left shoulder, right shoulder, header. Uh, ne- ne- never got beyond the left knee. <laughs> well, you know, just what um, Mel was um, saying there about the the modern trends that have have come from him. There was a, there's a great clip on um, on BT Sport of Gary Lineker talking to Michael Owen, Rio Ferdinand, and Peter Crouch about what it was like to play against Maradona and um, for a moment for the World Eleven, I think, play with Maradona, and he. Um, you know those three pundits who have you know have all excelled at the game were asking questions of Gary Lineker like he was their old man telling him about this kind of superhero type player and one of the things Crouch asked was you know how did you approach mark him did you you know did you try and man mark him and, and Lineker was like no that wouldn't work because he was good enough to beat one and then you you screwed from there um with that in mind um you know because he was such a good player and because teams would have to you know, find a way of playing him. Was he the kind of player that accelerated tactical development in that regard? Or, you know, are there offshoots of how people try to cope with him that we see now that have been more refined or more perfected, perfected even? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, well, the biggest one is basically that Carlos Bellardo essentially invented wingbacks to try and accommodate a system to get, to get the best out of Maradona. Uh, so that is quite a profound tactical influence. Now, essentially, he led to the creation of a new formation because they because Bellardo realised he had to do something just to to maximise what what this was. 
Uh, and actually, it's it's interesting. I mean, I mean, and I I do. I mean, psychologically, I find the two are connected for me because there's a nostalgia around it all and the and the cultural impact and the meaning. But um, but Jack Charlton, uh, one of the one of the reasons he came up, which was a genuinely influential pressing system, uh, that he that he came up with. He went to the 1986 World Cup and saw that, and Maradona typified this more than anyone else. Every single international team played through a playmaker and within kind of a, a narrow space. So his one of his ideas was basically to put the ball where you know the game wasn't being played. Uh, and I, I suppose that that that's often. I mean, obviously the Bilardo formation is quite is is quite a big thing, really. And we're again seeing football is coming full circle in the, in the way wingbacks really are so influential now but it's almost like with a player of that magnitude it's almost like some of the, the some of the effects you probably they're so ingrained that you don't even notice it that that's how influential someone that good is mel do you have a favorite moment that sticks out in your mind from uh, from diego i would say the earliest clips i watched and perhaps it because of the personal nature of it that's why it would resonate obviously it was an incredible moment in terms of uh, football and the scale of it but my grandfather um my mom's dad had shown me footage from the 1986 world cup and that second goal having watched it a few times as a kid you're just sitting there in disbelief and you, and you're watching it like on replay and you know what happens and you still can't believe it happens every single time. Um, and that was, m- my grandfather would play me a lot of best and loads of old clips, but I remember that one standing out the most. And I was a very weird young girl growing up now that I think back on it because <laughs> I was obsessed with Diego Maradona and these other men who were so far ahead of my time. And, you know, while most other girls were playing with Barbies and stuff, I was just sitting soaking up this footage. But for me, he was the first footballer, really, that I thought was not human. I thought footballers were these superhuman sort of you know, untouchable, and that stemmed from the footage of watching him. Migs, what about you? Is there anything in particular that sticks out about the great man? <laughs> where, where to start? Lineker's comment on on BT actually resonated, just in terms of the pure control he had. Uh, I think that's that's when I think of Maradona, that's what I almost think of above anything else. In that, you know, again, I'd say. Like because we we are really getting getting down to the absolute fundamentals of what makes a talented footballer here, and above anything else, there's, there's manipulation of the ball and control of the ball, and I think Messi is his equal with it, but there's something very clinical about what Messi does in that there's no theatricality or elaboration to it, whereas Maradona, there's just you know it's even 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 the way he touches, the way he control it, the way. The way he'd kind of curl his foot as he as he flicked it up, there was just there was just a showmanship to it, um, and and that that that's always what struck me most about him. Just and I, I don't think I've ever seen a player where the ball feels or seems such a natural extension of his body. You um, am I right in thinking you tweeted um something about the Cameroon players yesterday and then being in awe of him? What's the what's the story there? 
so uh, so that that actually, to be fair, I should give um, Simon Hart credit for this because I saw the this. I remember when all when all the um, all the stuff started yesterday. It was something that immediately stuck in my mind. The story of that game, but it's more specific in Simon Hart's book on the 1990 World Cup, where before the opening game of 1990, um, two of the Cameroonian players. Uh, let me just get their names. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so this is a story told by Cameroon defender Victor Indip. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, where he he recalls, he told us to Simon for the book, uh, Alphonse Yambi and Roger Fdumba started crying before the match when they saw Maradona. Uh, he was just, I mean, the idea of being in the same pitch as him was just, I mean, they were overcome by it. And I, and I said, that's what, again, I mean, it was something I mentioned at the top of this program, but something that really stood out. It, it just the awe with which people saw Maradona at that point. And like, he really was just an otherworldly figure. Yeah. The, we've got a piece on the independent today by um, Martin Mazur on Maradona. He's written, written it from Buenos Aires overnight. Diego Maradona's death, a part of every Argentinian dies with him. Mel, I mean, it's just, to, we've already talked about his worldwide reverence, but what is his, what is the legacy that Maradona leaves, do you feel? I think it's definitely that whole idea of he's come from, you know, uh, nothing in Argentina and managed to, in his own words, touch the sky, but do it in a very Argentinian way and true to the beliefs of his people and actually whenever he needed to represent his country, was always happy to do so, flying from all over the world, proudly doing so, taking them to to heights they never imagined, never dreamed possible, making the rest of his teammates larger than life by virtue of his own brilliance. Because when you look at some of the chances and stuff they had missed that he'd laid on a plate for them, uh, you knew how much was just down to him. But I think it's that whole concept of him never actually straying, despite everything, despite all the chaos, despite um, the flaws that we talk about, the vices and, and all of those things, he was still true to where he came from, true to himself and true to the dreams he had. And that's, I don't think that's just, felt in Argentina and obviously he had a big influence in Naples as we say but I think all around the world there will be people who that those kind of qualities will resonate for them yeah just to say that Argentina announced that they will have three days of national mourning Napoli are renaming their stadium stadium after him um Migs uh Lastly, on on Maradona, we've we've obviously talked about talked about um, you know what he's meant to Argentina, what he's meant to football, and the legacy he'll leave. But as someone who's written about how I suppose almost the meritocracy has gone out of football to an extent, and how you know with various super clubs, but also the way that youth talent is right now. Are we going to see anyone like him again? I don't just mean the flaws. I mean kind of what you touched on there about Messi being a bit crisper in his play and therefore that little bit less exciting than the Maradona, despite being an otherworldly talent himself. Um, is he Was he the last of his kind in that regard? 
Yes, I would say so. Uh, I mean, maybe certain figures lasted a fair bit into the kind of into the nineties. I mean, I just I'm thinking of even Edmundo and Romario Bar- like at Barcelona. Um, but I mean, if you think of the way, you know, there's basically been this kind of scientific industrialization of top level football and a lot of top level sport due to the amount of money in it. I mean, like. It's been, it's just not possible to have a player who I mean like, again you go back to the Capadia documentary, like his weekly routine when he was at Napoli, which is basically Sunday Sunday Serie A Serie A game, uh, Sunday night to Wednesday morning continuous cocaine binge, Wednesday to Saturday cleansing, and then Sunday Serie A game. I mean like it's just, you know put some of today's athletes into that sort of context. It's just his whole I mean f- football top level sport doesn't allow that sort of off pitch chaos anymore uh, it's just there's just it's too it's too honed it's too scientific now it's too industrialized uh, and yeah you are and that's why i mean it's another reason he was of another era now but again the flip side of that is can you imagine maradona the player with the benefits of all of today's advances do you think he would have do you think he would have dealt well with you know the number of people he'd have to answer to though i feel like the fact that he'd have to be so so disciplined might have meant that he you know i was gonna say he might have been an andy reed but that's mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't no disrespect to andy reed but as someone who might have um, been more comfortable a few levels down where he didn't have to conform as much because he wasn't a conformist that was a crucial thing I, I, I would actually disagree with that because i mean yes he had a lot of issues in his private life obviously all the addiction issues there was chaos to his life but he was also an ultra competitor. And if, I mean, like one of the stories of 86 and, and Napoli as well is ultimately he realized there was a danger of wasting his talent. And he really knuckled down and, and put that focus in to, to absolutely maximize it. And um, the, I mean, also, I think one of the things that's overlooked, and, and, and it, it, like, but by the same token, this is another one of the ways that there were two sides to, to, to Maradona's personality and Maradona the footballer. But yes, he had a massive ego and was in, in, in many ways hugely arrogant. But there was also a genuine humility uh, to him. And that's kind of pointed out, I think, by two little examples. One, someone pointed out to me yesterday, if you actually look at his Instagram page, uh, so much of it is uh, him basically paying tribute or birthday wishes to former teammates who, who like, just wouldn't have been able to touch him. Uh, and like he, he's, he, he always remembers all these people. Secondly, like... I, I, he was actually very much a team player in many ways. There was a story about, I think it was for, I mean, it was definitely under Carlos Ballardo and definitely related to 86 and, and Ballardo trying to instill the discipline in the team that he felt was required. I mean, it, let's not forget, at this time in Argentine football, there was this huge kind of philosophical debate about how Minotti, the manager of 78, was seen as kind of this left-wing free-form football and Ballardo was seen as this kind of right-wing disciplinarian football. Um, but Ballardo kind of... There was, there was some sort of incident in the camp. I think it was someone breaking curfew or bringing a woman back to the hotel. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the exact details, uh, but obviously some player was in trouble for it. And Bellardo had wore, warned that when he found out who it was, they were they were basically going to be thrown out of the camp. Um, and, you know, it got to this kind of usually uncomfortable situation where Bellardo is insisting that someone owns up. They're not going anywhere. And whoever, eventually, it's gonna, someone's going to crack and someone's going to have their international career ruined. And uh, Mar- and uh, Maradona seeing this and ba- and knowing that he was basically the only player who was bulletproof and they were never going to get rid of, puts his hand up 
It was me, boss. <laughs> Jesus. Well, um, on that note, I think that's probably an appropriate place to end with uh, a story of his selflessness as well. Um, that's all we've got time for this week, I'm afraid. Thanks again to Miguel and Melissa for joining me. And thanks to you all for listening at home as well. If you are a new listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating as well so that more people can find us. Make sure you're also following Indie Sport and Indie Football on social media to keep up to date with everything that we've got going on. And we'll see you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.